Hello and welcome to the Expat Pod. My name is James, your host, and today I am with Elsa, who is a French lady living in America. I feel thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so hey, and welcome to section one of the podcast, all about getting there. So Elsa, you live in New York, uh, New York, New York, right? So why did you move, and and what was the pub? And I moved because I wanted to live in a English-speaking country. Um, I was working in Europe and I had lived in Mexico for a year, so I was very fluent in Spanish, but I was behind uh, in English. I was like, um, for work, I was a consultant and I was traveling all over Europe. And at some point I was like, no, I, I don't get the, I don't get the jokes. I don't get. So I'm like, oh, I really have to like go and live abroad because I had done that uh, in Mexico and it worked very, very fast and was an amazing experience. So I wanted to have uh, kind of the same experience in a different culture country. Um, so, yeah. And to Mexico, um, why did you move there? I didn't know you lived in Mexico, but that's really cool as well. Was it? Mexico City or was it somewhere else? Uh, it was somewhere else. It's called uh, Leon Guanajuato. Is in the state of Guanajuato. So it's a very beautiful uh, state. Um, it's a little bit north of Mexico City. Uh, I moved there because I did a, a business school and my business school would require to do a year abroad. Uh, so everybody would apply everywhere in the, in the world. Um, and I had this dream to go to Latin America because I was so passionate about um, the language, the culture, uh, and uh, and it was you know the the first um, occasion for me to travel like that far. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I I apl- I mean you know depending on your grades, you go where, wherever you want to go. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to go where um, where my first trip was. So it was Mexico. Wow, what was that like? Um... Uh, it was a dream life. Uh, no, I loved it. I um, I worked as a French um, teacher. I uh, was studying at the same time. I I mean, with my face right now, you don't realize, but I was a I was a model. <laughs> uh, so I did photos. I yeah, I did a few uh, small jobs. I traveled all over Mexico, hitchhiking. My brother went. Um, he was living at the time in Kathmandu in Nepal, um, and he came to Mexico to visit with me. So we each hiked for a month, like sleeping, you know, on the beach and, you know, the dream night. Really cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm quite jealous of that. I mean, you can always do it, but never too, never too late. Um, but this is how, um, the, so the trip to Mexico, how did you, was that, did your university help you with the move or did you, um, have to apply yourself? What was the, the support you got? Uh, so no, yeah, actually the, the school is helping you a lot. Uh, they, they put you in contact even with a local student. So you can, you know, if you want, you can rent the same place they're renting. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 you just have to buy your tickets, your, you know, your, the university fees already in the kind of the price of what you're paying for the university in France, uh, which is a bargain, especially if you go to the U S but don't tell a U S, uh, <laughs> student that. 
<laughs> because it's much more expensive anyway um but yeah it's uh it's just, yeah it's, you don't have to do much except buying your flight ticket i guess yeah and yeah uh, make sure you have a place where uh you know when you arrive uh, so yeah we just went in the same place uh former french student had rented and also was very convenient and did you you have to um I guess, did you have to sort your own rent out or did that help you? You said you found a form of a French student rent. Was that off your own back or was that helpful from the university? Uh, yes, the university would help actually, uh, you know, just give you contact and also like depending on, you know, the, uh, yeah, I mean, either you already know friends who are also going to Mexico or they put you in contact with a student who are like going there. And then, uh, visas did you need a visa to study in mexico or because it was a student visa you were and it's a student visa go... for a year and i make sure i would stay up to the last uh, very last day of my visa <laughs> even though they were the you know they were the how you call it the the pig uh, flu you know remember at the time a swine flu yeah, yeah exactly uh, i also so... went to mexico at the same, same time as well. yeah so every every Almost every business school would uh, repatriate their students, but not my school. So we're like, hey, you know what? If Mexican are staying, we're also staying. <laughs> so we didn't have, uh, which was great. We had final exam and you, we had continuous, uh, continued exams. I was great. Nice. And then, so going from Mexico, did you did you go back to France to finish your education and then go to the US? Yes, so I finished my master's degree in uh, France uh, for another year, where actually a company paid for my studies while I was working at the same time, so I didn't have to pay my last year. Uh, I was actually getting paid for studying, <laughs> which is an amazing program in France. Um, yes, uh, and then it gives you also like a working experience when you leave, uh, you know, the school. So it's uh, yeah, it's very great. Um, and and then I had my first job and I worked two years in Paris and then I did this choice where I worked I I started to work for a startup and everybody was like, What are you doing? You have a master's degree in finance uh and audit, you should work for a big four, you know, like a big company. It's very risky to work for a startup and I was like, uh, I don't care. I just wanna I, I wanted to work the 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 fastest in, abroad, and I knew that if I would join a big company, it would take me at least four years or five, you know, you whatever. And with this company, I knew I could have a six-month program where I would learn the software, and then I could be a consultant, and after six months, I would be traveling in Europe. So I was like, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to travel the world and... Um, so that's what I did for three years and a half. And then I wanted to go further and further away. And I was like, well, oh, you know what? I want to, I want to actually leave abroad. So they, they were like, well, we might have, I had an offer in London and they were like, oh, maybe we have something in New York if you're more interested. Um, and if you want to stay and I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's a good idea. London might be too close to France. I would, you know, I would, I would come back every weekend maybe. So let me, yeah, I, I accepted the New York offer. I mean, I didn't accept, I applied for it and I wasn't the only one, um, interested, but yeah, I got the job and when you apply in, I mean, if you have the desire to work in the U S it's 
it's kind of complicated in terms of visas. Um, you do ha need to, I mean, the, the kind of the easiest is to find a, a sponsorship. Uh, so basically you, you need to, basically you need to work for a company for at least three years for them to sponsor you. And so they can send you, farm you up to the US. Uh, that, that's the easiest. So that's what I've done. I had like three years experience. So it was perfect. Um, you still need to justify why they send you and not someone else. So you have to justify specific, you know, expertise or specific skills that you develop for these years. Um, and you would work for only company you have, uh, obviously, uh, are present in the, in Europe and in the U S. Uh, oh, wow. but yeah. I know. Cause I looked at engineering jobs because I'm an engineer by trade and I uh, work in electric cars and there's quite a lot of electric car companies in the US mainly California and I knew a recruiter when I was graduating like oh, how can I get a job at Tesla or Lucid and they're like well it's very difficult yeah actually when then if you are still working there is a J1 student visa you can have and where after studying you have a year where you can work. So you have a year to, you know, prove you worth it and maybe get a company sponsor you. Uh, what happened, one of my friends actually applied to my company and she, my company then applied for, their green, for her green card. So after J1, you can convert it into a green card, but yeah, you have to obviously work your ass off <laughs> for a year at least. Um, and if you, you know, if you don't, then yeah, you have to leave after the year. Yeah. I've already had a J1 visa because when I went to work in a summer camp, they gave you a J1 visa for nine, exactly. three months. Yes. And then I traveled for 30 days or 60 days, I think. Yes. Maybe it's 90 days, a period of time anyway, traveling, which was good fun. Um, yeah. Anything, anything more you want to kind of, uh, give information about, about how to get to the U S from, from Europe? Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's much easier if you get the sponsorship uh, before arriving. I think it's almost impossible after. Uh, there's no way, you know, you arrive in the U.S. and then um, you only have, you know, three months. And I mean, you can make contact and maybe uh, in three months, uh, you know, uh, see if you could work back in Europe having the this contact but yeah it's it's and becoming harder and harder but um if I mean if you dream it you can do it it's just like make sure you are very aware about the different visa type and um I don't know like there are visa for artists and for uh journalists and for you know um experts so make sure that if you want oh I don't know if you are like a lawyer you have to you know basically start from scratch in the US. So it's like you really need to make your own investigation before. Um... Perfect. Well, thank you. That's uh, a great way to end section one. So hello and welcome to section two of the podcast all about being there. And so Elsa, you're, you went to Mexico first. Uh, tell me about your first impressions of that when you I guess arrived for, for studying. What was your first thoughts when you arrived? Oh wow! Um, everything was. Everybody was so very nice. Uh, it was kind of easy to talk to people. Everybody would be, you know, try to help you uh, navigate or try to help you 
uh, you know, subscribe to the class you wanted to do, whatever. So, yeah, people are very welcoming. The food is fantastic. I mean, I already said it. For me, it was a dream. I, I loved everything about it. Um, and, yeah, and the, yeah, the students, the culture, it was very easy. Even, you know, I was hitchhiking and it was like, oh, my God, it's very dangerous. I would listen to local and they would tell me, you know what, you should go this way. You go, I mean, everybody's like, yeah, it was fantastic. I don't know what to say. Like, uh, I would, I recommend it to everyone. I think comparing that to the US then, when you arrived in the US, obviously it was for work. How did you find, uh, I guess, the comparison between Mexico and the, and the US, but also Europe and the US from a first impression? Oh, wow. It's very different. <laughs> so in, in the, I mean, especially because it was for work as well, but I think mostly for Europeans, we have the impression we know the US culture because we, we see TV shows, we read books, we, and we have lots of, you know, like information coming from the US. So from us, it's like, we kind of know, but we don't really know. So when you arrive, you're like, oh wait, yeah, of, of course, like, you know, the, the U.S. are straightforward, but actually they're not. <laughs> so there are lots of, you know, way to communicate. And, and yeah, for me, it was like, um, I, I often say this story where I actually uh, had a, a three months coach, coaching uh, when I arrived because I was too straightforward. As a French person, <laughs> we are very, very straightforward. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think New York is going to be the same. You know, it's very ambitious. So you can be very straightforward with people. But I wasn't able to be as straightforward. <laughs> so I would, you know, people would be like kind of shocked <laughs> based on what I, I would say. So yeah, I had a three months coaching uh, from a, a British company, which was very helpful to understand um, you know, the, the culture difference, the way you talk to someone, you approach someone, the way you talk to your team, the way you talk to a manager, you know, like it was very interesting beyond you know, that in every culture you have these, um, you know, uh, not, I mean, kind of natural way, but as well, like, uh, respect, respectful way to talk to people. So it depends. I mean, J Japanese culture is also like very, very specific where you have, you know, depending on who you talk to, like whatever. Um, but yeah, it was su super, super useful for me to just also like, you know, make sure like I would say if someone is talking to me, for instance, I would have um, uh, habits and I would, I would, you know, make sure I would say, oh, I hear you. I hear what you say before saying anything that I would think. Or I would be like, I would do, I don't know if you heard about it, the sandwich, uh, the sandwich uh, purple, uh, thing where oh, you- Oh, the compliment sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> you have to say something positive, then you can say something kind of negative, but you end up like in the middle saying something like, you know, uh, hopeful, like, so not never say something negative without saying something positive and hopeful you know like it was very interesting to see the the structure of of it you know like because yeah to to make sure you you fit in the in the culture i mean i i think oh being british i thought we were quite standoffish in england and then i moved to sweden and it's a whole other level of being standoffish they avoid conflict yeah like it's it's the, the worst nightmare yes um, exactly so I, i'm quite pushy but I know a lot of French people. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> no, we're so straightforward. If uh, you know, it would be the opposite. If uh, if you have an is issue and you don't call, go uh, to us directly, we are so mad about it. Like, why you didn't come to me? Why you didn't talk to me? You know, like, you can talk to me. Like, tell me what's going on. You know, like, <laughs> what the heck? So, yeah. I think it's the Southern European thing yeah. as well. Because I know my friends from Italy and Spain are also very, uh, well, I guess, like, Latin and fiery. It's, it's a passion. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, and in the US, I would, you know, if you have an escalation, like, the with a client or whoever, they would escalate the issue to your manager. And then your manager brings the issue to you, and then you have to bring it to your team a different way. So you have two levels of interpretation to make sure you bring the correct message to the, you know, direct person who is, like, primarily intended to. Uh, so, yeah, it's different, and... Um, yeah, it's, yeah, all this has to be, you know, it's informal and then you, you learn about it. And, um, going around with, with the kind of the culture of the countries, how are you, for me, when I moved as an adult to Sweden, socially it was difficult because you're not going for studying because you're, when you study, you go in with a bunch of students who are all in the same situation, all looking to, to socialize with everyone else, but being an adult going for work. You have to really focus on friendships and for that I found playing sport helps. Is that a similar thing you found compared to Mexico when you went as a student? It was really easy to make friends and the US? Yeah, I think it's very different, especially because it's like uh, school versus like working environments, um, working environment, you know, people have different priorities, you know, do you prioritize your coworker after work or your family and, you know, depending on your industry and so on. Uh, so these are structured to it. Um, I think for me at the beginning was very hard to, and of course I'm in New York, so was very hard to make friends with Americans. Um, so I would be, and because it's actually it's easier, you know, it's easier to go to the culture you know. So for me, it was very easy to make Mexican friends and you know, like European friends. And in New York now, so many different people and. And to make, I don't know, like Indian friends. But I had at some point after five years, I was like, you know what? I think I don't have any American friends. But like, okay, let me work on it. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. So yeah, uh, I started like uh, opening uh, kind of my circle and be like, oh, you know, like uh, trying to invite, uh, you know, random American people I would meet, you know, in a bar or like uh, two friends, you know, and um, understand why, you know, sometimes wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be, but it's also depending on the person, you know, sometimes you don't, don't you just don't have a match with a person, you know, it's okay, it's, uh, it's not an issue. Um, we're not supposed to be all friends. <laughs> I mean, all close friends. Yeah. But yeah, it was a difficult at the beginning uh, to make, uh, you know, kind of local friends. Yeah. Yeah, I did find the same thing. Internationals seem to hang out with other internationals because that, as I said before, they when you go for work, you you don't know many people, and you have to like try and break into people's friendship groups. And if you're kind of from the country, you have a much wider friendship group already, so you're not looking for more friends. But if you're international, then you only know a handful of people, and like adding a new friend is never a problem. And you're always looking to find someone else to do something. But um. Going along with that, then was it easier to find like things or hobbies that you like to do in in the US? Oh yes, compared, compared to home, <laughs> you can see. I find an amazing hobby. 
yes, I. Uh, so I'm I'm a dancer. I'm a runner. I'm a biker. And for me, New York was okay. At the beginning, I had this image of you know New York being a, a huge city, and I'm a huge outdoor person. And I was like, oh my god, I won't be able to do all these things that I used to, right? And I arrived in New York, and I'm like amazed by, oh my god, I'm 45 minutes from the beach, I'm an hour from the mountain. So there's and everybody's like very outdoor, like everybody like practice a sport like outside. Uh, all go to the gym uh, during the winter for the lazy one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but yes, they are, and there are like meetup groups. Uh, there are like you know people liked they really like to um, create groups uh, and go for a run or go for a hike. So that would be like the the way you can make kind of local friends. Uh, you go for yeah, you go for. Um, a hike uh, on Sunday, and you you make friends, and you know um, you hang out with uh, with them later for just to go to a bar, to go to a museum, or to go to an exhibition, or to go to a concert. So um, yeah, for me it was like a, an amazing place to e- develop even more my passion for my hobbies and especially for biking. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge biker. That's uh, how I... Yeah, I see on your Instagram account. <laughs> yes. But also, um, when I was in New York, I used to play beach volleyball in Central Park. Oh, and yes. And I played there every day every week. And that was such a great place to meet loads of like random people. Um, Absolutely. I, I a used lot to in, have a good yeah. Central Park as well. Yeah. I mean, the beach, the beach volleyball, there's two courts. One for people who are really good and then yes. one for the beginners. Yeah. And it's such a good a good atmosphere. And again, mainly people who aren't local, but are not American. Oh, I don't know that one. So my Alexa's going on. Um, loads of people from all over the world. A lot of people from Europe were playing it, which was great fun. Uh, and a good way of asking people when I was traveling for some advice on where to go in the city. So uh, yeah, I really enjoy New York for that. Okay, perfect. Um, and then I guess, uh, is there anything more you notice between, uh, I guess, France Mexico and the US, any kind of big changes you've you've noticed since being there and living there? Yes. I mean the in France, you know, we we prepare food together and we sit on a table and we eat and we share the food and we talk for hours. We are very known for taking lunch break for one, two hours, you know, especially with coworkers uh for lunch and then with family and and for us it's very important, you know, you have your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner. And even before dinner, you have what we call apéro, where we have drinks and a few peanuts and you know, um, or cheese, whatever. Uh, so yes, uh, the the culture is very very different in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., New York is a, it's slightly different because they they are aware that the food is very important for their health. Um, so they tend to eat healthier and you know. It's very known that if you sit down and, you know, don't watch TV while eating is very, it's much better for you and, you know, eating slow and all these things. So people are aware, but still they might not have it as a habit as opposed to eat my French culture, for instance, or even the Mexican culture is very big on the food and sharing the food with other and preparing the food with love and and you know care and to make sure you know everybody can enjoy it um and in the us yeah, yeah, the food is the event 
Yes. The food becomes the main event, whereas in America it feels like, or in, in England as well, I guess, uh, the food is the, the, the kind of sub thing for the event you're, you're doing or watching. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's how you attract people even like, you know, if you know you have good food, you know, like people would come to your event. Uh, if you don't, then, then don't go. And now it was very interesting because um, my, my, so my company is French culture kind of, and we would give, a f so for people to come to the office, we used to do like free Wednesday lunch. And Wednesday was the day everybody would come to the office, you know, because you have free lunch. <laughs> And then no, they you know it's good food, so you know, so it's very interesting. And also like even with my friends or my very yeah very close, uh, you know, everywhere I go, for me it's like so important to sit down and prepare food and share the food. And some people they like just Americans will be more like they don't really care, you know, they they can have a bag of chips and they can they can skip a meal. And for me it's like there's no way I'm gonna skip a meal, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so it's all these differences now. Very, yeah, yeah it's, it's very, I don't know, it's unique. It's, it's interesting. That's great. And on topic of food, I know you're vegan. How have you found it being vegan in New York compared to, to France? Or oh my are you God. vegan in New France? New York is paradise. <laughs> and back in France, I'm an extremist. Um, people, you know, they're like, they really think that, you know, uh, this is ridiculous. I mean, French people really think it's ridiculous and and they don't really understand why I'm vegan. Um, even though they are like French people are so aware about the environment. If we do comparison like this between American and French people, I, I do think French people, you know, they they recycle, they do the, their compost, they lower their meat consumption, they they don't consume too much water or like they don't waste so much food. And, you know, they are so aware of the environment and everything. But because the food is like, it's like, um, it's a, it's a national, you know, thing you cannot really touch. Exactly. So here in the, in New York, because it's, it, and it's like in the UK, in the UK, the, the population of, uh, of vegan like, uh, exploding because it's not. It's not a. It's not in their nature to think too much about the food, and they really don't care. Um, in the U.S., they're also very open to you know people who have who are like gluten free or lactose intolerant or well like uh, whatever. And in the in France, people would be like so judgmental. They would oh so what oh so I cannot. I cannot cook anything because you don't eat anything. But it's like, no, I, I eat things, but there are things I, ca I cannot or I don't eat, right? So it's, it's very different where like French people can be so close-minded related to, you know, the, the, the food people could eat or, or for value they, they don't want to eat. So that's, yeah, that's very interesting. So that's why like for me, New York is like, it's a paradise because... First of all, I have a vegan restaurant in every block. <laughs> um, and yes, absolutely. They are like, I don't know, I, I have a list of the, the vegan restaurant. There must be like 500 restaurants in New York. It's crazy. These are the, uni the, the only three-star Michelin restaurant, vegan restaurant in New York. All over the world, there is no other three-star restaurant. Um, yeah, they're starting to like... green Michelin stars, haven't they? I think. Sorry? 
They have like green, they have green Michelin stars, I believe now. I think it's green, which is like a sustainable restaurant mm -hmm. as well. Yes. Which is also interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so yeah, very, very different in terms of, um, yeah, friends will be more traditional in a way, uh, related to food. Yeah. I, I guess your point of, um, France being more as a society, better at environmental impacts, free recycling, etc., kind of might outweigh if you have one meat dish a week as opposed to, but you actually do everything else and that meat is from the farm down the road as opposed to I guess McDonald's burglars which might be from the other side of the country or the world it's the balance of um where it becomes a, a big debate really is is you know where does the food come from with you on on the, the vegan side though it should be much better for the, for the environment with and then maybe over time we can whittle back to having locally sourced meat if it was you know from to your next door neighbor or something. I think we're 50 years from that happening. It's quite interesting to understand. Okay. Well, I think that's enough for section two. Go in section three. That's so, hey, and welcome to section three of the podcast. All about, it's kind of a review of your time. I still haven't named it, which is annoying. But yeah, it's just, um, you're talking about your your favorite your best what is your favorite part of mexico when you were there what was your favorite thing to do oh wow uh every part is like so precious and so fantastic um and i have you know many people ask me um you know where they should go studying and where they should go you know like travel and for me like you can go anywhere you can have the best experience so for me like <laughs> I had this joke, you know, we, I'm French, so I have this joke with Belgium sometimes where I would be like, you could go to Belgium and have this fantastic abroad experience, you know, like, it's, you know, it's okay, it's next door, but, you know, like, you make your own experience. So, for me, like, when people are like, oh, what's your favorite thing? I'm like, I have a hard time because there's something beautiful in every single state, especially uh, Mexico. Mainly, not so much, but makes, uh, the U.S. <laughs> But it's a different story. Um, because you've traveled through the US. You, you've traveled through Yeah, I, uh, I bike from New York to San Francisco and then I went to San Diego. So I, I see a lot, um, especially, yeah, like some state would be like so focused into uh, monoculture. So you only see cornfields and, you know, you like so much diversity that the landscape is not. I mean, became like something very standardized and like, you know, corn fields everywhere and, and cattle fields. So it's kind of pretty sad to see, um, as opposed to other country where they really like conserve their diversity, like France or even Mexico, even though it's come in the north of Mexico, but yeah, they, they tend to, we tend to make sure we have this diversity of, uh, fields and uh the the seeds we are using so yeah it's it's uh it's a huge difference between the country so i guess based on your answer then your biggest advice to someone is probably be enjoy wherever you're traveling because you'll find a gem somewhere yes honestly um especially if you're like you know if you i was reading a, a book yesterday it's 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 a it's a back journal uh it's a backpacking journal and there's this guy who is like from the uk and he's used to, you know, travel all, all over the world. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to bike from 
southwest of England and then go to northeast of England. So he's like, you know, doing a diagonal of England biking. And there are so many things that you don't see all because the, there's a different uh, season, you know, like everything can be very different depending on the time you're going. Could You could have a festival that makes a, a shitty city beautiful, you know, <laughs> like it's a... Uh, yeah, right. So I mean, it's... I think the bike ride is Land's End to John Groats, which is a, a really popular ride from Cornwall to Scotland. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you go through the whole country and it's it's on my list to do, but I've not yet got to it. One day. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's a lot about what, what, what are you looking for? You know, like, are you looking forward to... You know, do whatever other people have done already, or do do you know? I mean, it's pretty hard. So, also, you have to do kind of an introspection about okay, what do I like? And based on what do you like, then you know the experience can be very different. Uh, I don't know if you like, you know, visiting coffee shop and you know go on small hikes, or if you like shopping, or you know, it's it's very different. I guess it's knowing knowing what you want to get out of the experience and then you can tailor it to your own kind of desires and do some research maybe but also going in open-minded is also quite nice i like just wandering freely without knowing where i'm going and you stumble across something majestic like a coffee shop or yeah and i'm kind of the same i don't like to be too organized and uh, i i like to have a uh, you know space for surprise or space for wonder or yeah exactly completely um, and then, so you, you obviously give some advice for traveling. What advice would you give someone traveling to the US um, for what, what should they expect to, to see if they're, if they're European? Like what's the biggest difference? I guess holidays is all I could think of. Uh, to travel to work, if, assuming they already have, they have a, a visa already planned or assuming they don't? Assuming they, so the, if someone is looking to move from, the, from Europe or France to America, what what piece of advice would you give someone to, I guess, acclimatize quickly? Well, uh, yeah, the, the work culture is very different between the US and Europe. I think mostly based on in the US, they really don't have much vacation. Um, so sometimes you can have as low as two weeks, which is nothing. So because they don't have much vacation, they would have lowered, you know, they would work less during the day so most of the time is very known for the nine to five even though you might work a little bit more but because you have so less vacation they have yeah they they work less during the day um then be the you know the the stereotype on uh, they depend on your industry you know it depends on your job what you're doing uh and obviously, you know, some location would be hard work worker, like New York, uh, San Francisco, stuff like that. Um, and in France or in Europe, yes, we, we, the priority is the, is the, is the work quality life. Um, so love vacation. <laughs> and it, even the UK, they did an amazing thing where instead of having five, five days a week, they do yeah. four days a week, right? In in some some companies, yeah, which has not gotten gotten to my company yet. But um, I did know there was yes. a big file after COVID of four day weeks, and a lot of companies have stayed with it. They're saying, "Oh, your productivity stayed up, but you're only working 
four days to maybe that's uh, 30 odd hours a week rather than 40, um, which helps people get the extra day. So, yeah, I mean, depending on, on, on the country, but we in, in, the, in Europe, we tend to be a little bit more productive, I would say, uh, just because we have other priorities, probably. Uh, and for, for instance, like in Denmark, uh, they, it's very important for them to, you know, make sure they work and have a, also like they end work at like three or four a.m. before p.m. You know, like, so yeah, work-life balance is very important. Um, but then you go to most capital, you would see like hard worker everywhere. It really depends on what you're looking for and yeah, what your, um, balance. Also, I think it also depends on how old you are. <laughs> You know, if you've been working your ass off your entire career, you might want a, a break or not. Uh, <laughs> or you might burn out, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very important to to keep a balance. Um, yeah. Besides work, absolutely. Perfect. And kind of my last question is, what's your favorite uh, saying in in America? Uh, what's the favorite little like local phrase which you you use today, or just like listening to? Um. In New York, especially, I really like uh, fake it until you make it. I mean, that is pretty pretty synonymous with the Mercury. So thank you, Arthur, for joining me on this podcast. I really appreciate your time and learning more about your experience in Mexico and in the States. It's really interesting to understand like how you got across and the requirements to, you know, you chose a startup rather than a, a bigger financial consultancy to be able to travel abroad. That's very kind of brave and I guess the, the route most people won't take. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing the information with me and hopefully people who listen in and watch will, will get some really good, uh, advice and inspiration to follow your footsteps. Um, is there anything you want to say more or do you want to, I guess, share your social media accounts so people can come and see more of your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, follow my crazy adventure, um, <laughs> about like, uh, zero waste, veganism, uh, banking, or also like just also human experience, uh, through my uh, Instagram account, which is here on my planet. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much, James, for having me. Uh, it's it's worth uh, following because it's uh, quite funny, and I guess the your most recent stuff has been shocking, but you you've made it so uh, so humorous in 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 the state of us falling off a bike. So yeah, well done, used for finding the the humor in such a such a an incident. And uh, as always, if you did find something insightful or or um or useful from this podcast, please get in touch. If you have any questions, please uh, leave them in the comments, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.